Man, so I feel like it's been so long since we've had an episode of Brews, Beards, and Shipwrecks. I don't even know how to start one. How do we even <laughs> start one of these things, man? <laughs> it has been a minute, huh? You know? Oh, man. Well, welcome to whatever latest episode this is of Brews, Beards, and Shipwrecks. Uh, I am your host, Chun Jay, also known as Jamie Bennett. And I'm here with my co-host. I'm Matty Vagabond. Man, how you doing, brother? I'm doing fantastic, man. Yeah. You know, just trying to soak up as much summer as I can before uh, it goes away, dude. It's just beautiful, yeah. you know? Yeah. 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 It's like, uh, and time is, time is this weird kind of warp thing, it seems like for me um, these days. It's, you blink and a month has gone by or a week has gone by, you know, and, uh, and then you look back and it's like, oh my gosh, this thing was a year ago. Mm-hmm. What what is this? What what is this time warp that comes with middle age, man? <laughs> you want to talk about time warp? I got an eighteen year old son now. Oh, how does that make you feel? Well, I mean, you people see the gray. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, it's it's but like you're saying, time fly, man. It it's a trip, dude. It's like, you know, we toured a campus college one day. You wow. know, he's, yeah. he's got his permit, like driving, like. You know, make you know he's got a job making a bunch of his well, trying to get him to make more of his own decisions and stuff. But yeah, um, yeah, it it's funny because it makes you feel old, but at the same time, it's like, wow, like I've you know, thank God, like you know, raised a, a human being, you know, fully yeah. formed, you know, right. So, dude, I mean, that's that because I'm on the other end of that, obviously, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, and and of course, you and I are basically. Uh, we're we're basically the same age, but yeah. we had different starting points on our family. So, like, I'm at the early end of the family with the little boy, and mm-hmm. you've got a man. Yeah, <laughs> like, you Big raised a me. man. It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Yeah, it's humbling, man. You know, it's yeah. it's 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 exciting too because it's like we him and I get a transition. We're transitioning from like you know like it's always father son, but it's transitioning right. from like the father son to like friendship. Yeah. I you know, and so there's a lot of times if we want to have like, you know, need to have some deep conversations, we'll come out here into the shed. We call it sheditation. You know, <laughs> and uh, you know, he'll have a Perfect. root beer kombucha and I'll grab a beer and we'll just sit and talk, you know, just yeah. share. Man, that's that's great. That's gotta be super cool, especially because, you know, this is a kid that you taught the ABCs to. Mm-hmm. And uh, and now, like you're talking about bigger things in life, he's able to reason and uh, think in ways that um, you know you you could barely fathom. Um, yeah, you know, a decade and a half ago. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. incredible, man. Well, it's like being able to raise someone who I mean, you always want your kids to be better than you. That's yeah. that's what I, what I yeah. want. I'm like, right. he's already. I'm like, he's already. You know leaps and bounds ahead of especially where i was at that age Mm -hmm. you know i mean he's literally an altar boy like you know um his his birthday was a couple weeks ago and we had the um archbishop elpa devoros come you know oh yeah and uh he you know he's like he's coming you know we got i gotta serve with him so he he was able to serve in the altar with him and like it's just it's just it's just crazy to see especially you know it's like you kind of introduce things but we've you know, we kind of just 
hands off with a lot of stuff and just seeing how kids sure. will pick up certain things. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a little bit like, uh, you know, tending a garden, I guess. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you can put the right inputs to foster certain kinds of growth, but there are factors outside of your control. Yeah. And, uh, and at the end of the day, you can't force the plant to grow the way you want it to grow. It's right. going to do what it's going to do. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, if you're faithfully planting and watering in the life of your child, um, you are going to see fruit and it, it may not, you know, bear the fruit when you want it, how you want it, why you want it. Uh, but, you know, that's also a good lesson for parents too, probably. Um, yeah, indeed. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, yeah. I mean, <laughs> cause it's, especially, you know, you think of like, you know, how it was like when you grew up and it's like, okay, well, you know, if my parents would have done X, Y, and Z, you know, like yeah. it might've been easier or whatever, but, but like, but would it have been, you know, sure. there sounds I'm like, you know, there's a lot of stuff my parents probably shielded me from that I didn't need to know. Yeah. You know, totally. it might have just put it, you know, might have put a certain fear in me that I didn't need. You know, and it's like as parents, it's like my kids, I'm like, you got your own crosses you're gonna have to bear. You don't need yeah. to bear my cross, you know. Right. Right. Yeah, you know, I, I try um I mean it's easy, right, as a as a as a kid to find mm-hmm. fault in your parents and what they oh, yeah. do when you're growing yeah. up. You, you know, you're you're definitely gonna be there. Uh, worst critic in a lot of ways um but then you you know you get to see it from the other side as a parent yeah and uh and of course i've barely gotten a taste of that because i'm only seeing the the early stuff so far but but i see that i I see i see a lot of wisdom and things that i didn't understand from my parents before Mm -hmm. um but and, and then uh you know occasionally i think of things that i'd like to do differently um yeah but you know, I will say I had really good loving parents. I mean, yeah. I'm I'm not saying I couldn't sit down and make a list of things that I want no. to do differently. But like, mm-hmm. what 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 person uh, couldn't say that? So like, yeah. you know, I don't have one of those uh, crazy stories of like super abusive parents that I had to like spend a lifetime overcoming. You right, know, right. a lot of a lot of people have that story. I don't. So like, my criticisms of my parents' parenting is like. You know, just kind of rearranging the furniture a little bit, you know, yeah. um, or took but, away my rap tapes. Yeah, that's that's the <laughs> biggest one, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I already got Gregory listening to Wu Tang, you know. Um, yeah, Wu Tang <laughs> is for the children. <laughs> <laughs> I got some questions about that, you know. I've been post, <laughs> posting Gregory in a Wu Tang shirt, and uh, I had a priest actually ask me, "Are are you sure about filling that child with, uh, you know?" Oh, I forget exactly how it was, but it was this idea of, you know, uh, profane things and and, uh, you know, spiritually edifying things. Yeah. Yeah. This this is my kid who venerates icons, you know. Right. Right. Like like he kisses icons and, you know, hands it off to you in his Wu-Tang shirt. So, um, you know, I I guess that's something that uh, every, you know, every parent has to sort out. Yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, and what it what it means to, especially as a Christian, like to be in the world but not of it. Like, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. Maybe I I fall on the side of being in the world uh, right, a little right. too much. I I don't know, but um, but I certainly don't want my child, um, you know, talking about everything that Wu Tang talks about. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, <laughs> he's not it, ready for that. <laughs> well, and then that's the thing. It's it's there's certain things where it's uh, it's incremental. You know, it's like not giving them too much too soon. Yeah. 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 And it's like, you know, I sit and think about that. It's like, well, okay, just talking about it's like, 
you know, you could be a super strict, like religious parent, be like, we have to do this, 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 this. And and maybe the kid ends up just completely rejecting it and going their own way. You yeah. could also be the parent. I mean, listening to freaking Nas and Wu-Tang, and then you've got kids who revere icons and, yeah. Yeah. you know, enjoy it. So it's like, I, I think the biggest thing that I've learned, like parenting is just authenticity. Yeah. Is being real with your kids and, you know, not being afraid sometimes to be vulnerable, you know, yeah. and yeah. saying you're sorry. <laughs> Man, that's a good one. I'm I'm going to have to remember that one. Uh, <laughs> you, you know, you almost ought to go around new parents, uh, new dads almost need to go around and just like ask every dad they meet that says, you know, congratulations, just say, what's your one thing? You know, yeah. what's what's the one bit of advice that I need? Because um, mm-hmm. that's one of those gems. Do you say that a lot? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Drop a gem, you know, but I, I, I personally, I say sorry a lot. I have to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, you know, going back even like with Wu-Tang, I mean, they've got gems, you know, there's yeah. things that you can take away. Like, yeah. you know, so. I think it's, you know, what, what what's the, you know, a term, you know, take the best, forget the rest, you know, chew the meat, discard the bones. It's like, yeah. you know. Yeah. And th- there is a sense, too, in which, like, we, you know, uh, unless you live in a monastic community and you're uh, deliberately, yeah. like, secluded away from the world, like, this is the world we live in. Yep. And uh, I'm not going to expose, um, you know, Gregory to everything all at once. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of a lot of knowledge and a lot of things that he needs to grow uh, mature enough to handle. Uh, one of the nice things with music, uh, at least at least the way I look at it, is like uh, a lot of rap music in particular. Um, it's just so ver- so much verbiage. Mm-hmm. You just don't even know what it's about anyway. So provided it's not like a super clear uh you know like two life crew real <laughs> raunchy stuff or something yeah. there's yeah. actually quite a bit of uncensored rap music you could play for a small child and they have no idea i mean right right yeah i yeah, fell man. in love with rap music because of license to ill when i was like 6 years old mm-hmm. and i didn't know what any of that was about brass right. monkey just sounded like a really fun monkey um right. you know like <laughs> like I'm, I'm thinking this is this is like a statue or something um yeah. <laughs> you know what bro i literally just learned what brass monkey was like five years ago i had a co-worker tell me there you go probably nobody knows go ahead well it's it's malt liquor and orange juice there you go and i was like i never knew that you know but maybe that's a more of an east coast thing i don't know yeah, I well, I, those guys were such fools. Um, you know, they were yeah. just clowning around. They might, they might have even only heard of Brass Monkey themselves when they wrote right, it, right, right. You know, and then yeah. suddenly it's everywhere because that's their song. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> well, and it, I think that, and that's what you really attracted me to like hip hop too was the verbiage of it. You know, I remember yeah. reading reading this interview with uh, Dell the Funky Homo Sapien, and he was saying what drew him into like. MCing as opposed to like singing and stuff is like you can get more words in yeah you know yeah and he wanted to be able to say more and i yeah. think that's that's what i love about hip-hop I'm like you have this thing it's like say something you yeah. know um you know so like you're talking about like listening to like uh beasties and stuff like i grew up on that but uh, the, also the same era like you had public enemy like yeah. saying something you know it's right. like you had all these songs where it was like 
it it really broadened my horizons you know yeah. even even if it was like you know nwa or something it's like there's these things where it just it let you know what was going on in other parts of the country yeah and it um it really it it just opened my eyes to a lot of things it's a, it's a pretty uh not to go super nerdy here but like it's a pretty unique phenomenon if you think about the rise of hip-hop um mm -hmm. you know and it's it's an unprecedented genre that's based heavily on uh spoken word poetry um and and the party scene right and yeah. you, you put these together and right. you end up with this thing where like any genre of music can be incorporated in a rap song um yeah you know so it's very versatile and then like you said it's so expressive so many words that it can do everything from just be a mindless silly song for like uh you know everything from ice ice baby yeah that okay. is a rap song you know yeah. but it's just a song about a dude cruising around and trying to be cool like that's really mm -hmm. all it is uh yeah. you can go from that to to all the way you know it takes a nation of millions to hold us back you know yep. where public enemy is talking about like really intense heavy hitting social issues that affect generations mm -hmm. yeah uh, so and all that can be packed into one genre and it's much harder um to capture that in you know folk music or a, yeah. even a pop song or death metal death metal <laughs> Yeah. Well, you can get pretty deep with death metal, I think. Right. Well, yeah, but I'm like, do you have like a happy-go-lucky death metal song? That's just about. That's true. The <laughs> range, I mean, maybe... the, the range is much smaller in experience right. that yeah. you can cover. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's true. There was a in in high school. There was this great. Um, so I had some friends that I did some music with, and they had this great little spinoff tape that was um, like a comedy tape, and they had this amazing song that was like death metal sounding uh and the guy's just screeching the lyrics do you know your chicken <laughs> i know your chicken and it's just yeah. and it's so funny because it's almost like this deconstruction of what death metal is mm -hmm. it's, yeah it's really just a parody just a total parody yeah yeah that's true yeah well and i mean i think like what you're saying even like with like death metal and stuff like you're saying it can get deep and i think that's one thing as a kid even there was like i was always attracted to like deep things you know yeah and so yeah. you know i liked fun party stuff too. i mean even like with the anthrax you know they had a song about milk somehow that you know <laughs> their cheerios aren't the same without their milk right yeah yeah um but then they but then they have like you know songs like they had a song called like you know um cry for the indians you know and it was talking yeah. about you know and like another song called like white world welcome to it and all these things where the it was it was well i mean they were very even though they were like speed metal they were very like hip-hop as well but it, sure. it balanced yeah. those two worlds you know to where it's like but that's but that's the human experience you know we're not all i mean monks smile right it's not yeah. just serious all the time so it's like i think that's the thing as far finding those things is kind of like i've always loved that balance of the two you know yeah yeah well if, you know i think it is interesting uh, i've always appreciated across genres um mm -hmm. you know I, I i've always loved hip-hop uh i'm a big indie rock guy a huge death cab for cutie fan as i've said many times before um uh, like a lot of electronic stuff i'm pretty like all over the map 
Um, but it, it it is interesting when you look at certain styles uh, because they are limiting in the scope by mm-hmm. just the nature of the sound. So if you if you look at how hip hop uh, is versatile, now I'm thinking I'm not really thinking in modern categories because right. Um, yeah, we'll just we'll just take more classic categories. So yeah. you've you've got like a gangster rap almost kind of like had its own range of sound. Yeah. Yep. And so like like if we talk like Christian rap um, mm-hmm. and you had the ones who were more Christian gangster rap, mm-hmm. I almost felt like they were they were a little pigeonholed um, because stylistically they were they were uh, emulating the sound of of like specifically like thug banger slang and dope. Right. You know, hose uh, right. colors kind of stuff. Right. And so a lot of that was like appealed to guys who were coming from the street. And so mm-hmm. they, they rapped a lot about, Oh, this is what I used to do. Right. Um, but then you get like, what I always found really refreshing about dudes like, uh, you know, LA symphony uh, was they, I felt like there was nothing in life they couldn't talk about in their yeah, music. Indeed. Yeah. Um, it, it like they were so open to be able to talk about whoever and whatever they were. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't well, have a point. We're just well, well but and and you had especially <laughs> all with over them, the map. Well, especially with them, you had such a uh, you know so many um, personalities and so many walks of life. You had where you had you know someone like Jay Beats who you know he's you know probably more of like has a lot of some of that like straight LA. I mean, they all have yeah. LA, but you know what I'm yeah. saying? You got, yeah, yeah. you got Jay Beats and Pigeon John in the same group. Right. It's like, right. and look what the outcome was. I was like, that's just dope when you have yeah. such different personalities coming together sure. to, you know, form sure. like Voltron. Something else that occurs to me, uh, I want to go back to the Beasties since we're on this, on this topic. So, uh, you know, they, were you know total fools with licensed licensed to ill and i don't mean that in a haterade way i love that record right, right, right. i've got it on yeah. vinyl um but i've like, only got the tape oh man <laughs> <laughs> original pressing um yeah. but these guys uh you know they they were they were clowns they were just having a good time now that that like having a good time thing never left them throughout mm-hmm. their career but uh they did mature and they did think more seriously as time went on and you know, they're like the first rappers that I can think of that are like rapping about treating women with respect mm-hmm. um, at a time where literally, um, yeah, bitches ain't shit. Like uh, yep. those are the kinds of things that are coming out on Dr. Dre's album. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then over here are the Beastie Boys saying that like we got to cut out this misogynistic stuff and yeah. Yeah. show respect. Um mm-hmm that's kind of incredible and it's and they're rocking some of the same stages um but they're they're putting out like a different energy and a different message yeah yeah well and and that's growth and i think that's what i've always liked when you have i mean things that were on the topic of hip-hop i mean hip-hop turned 50 this year you know and so it's like 50 years old like you look at 50 years of hip-hop music and it's like you see people who've been doing it, say, for 40 of those years and they've actually evolved and grown. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, 
because there's some artists who said and acted a certain way, but now they've getting married, having kids are like, Oh, I'm not going to do that anymore. Yeah. Cause I want my kids to listen to my music, you know? Yeah. Got a beard and it's looking something fierce. Having beers with my peers and talking rap careers. Reflecting on the years, connecting on the tears. Shipwreck faith ain't always as appears. I'm bringing you fresh music, I'm bringing fresh ideas. I'm bringing you the dudes in the indie music beers. Chilling at the shows and talking about the pain with people who learned how to face it and be sane. Sipping on a brew, doing interviews. Don't talk, it's off the table, but we focus on breakthroughs. So kick up your feet, we're gonna put it in check. You're listening to brews, beards, and shipwrecks. One, two, one, two, a mic check, stone bands, Royal Ruckus on the scene, just to announce. We got the brews, we got the beards. Tasty interviews for your ears to hear. One, two, one, two, a mic check, stone bands, Royal Ruckus on the scene, just to announce. We got the brews, we got the beards. Tasty interviews for your ears to hear. Our guest tonight is a performance poet influenced by hip-hop and hard rock, hailing from the mean streets of Huma, Louisiana. He spent the last 10 years performing in churches, clubs, and classrooms with the intent to encourage audiences to speak up, stand out, and stay creative. Now, I know him originally from his Creative Coping podcast, which as of this date, he's had something like 76 episodes uh, spanning 2018 to 2022. I was on back in September 2019 to talk about being faithful, uh, even in the midst of life struggles. And uh, he's definitely a kindred spirit of our show. I'm really glad to have him here. Let's welcome Johnny Anomaly to our show. Yeah, that was an amazing intro, by the way. Thank you for that. Oh, so good. Written by the best. (laughs) He's a professional. (laughs) That's it. That's it. Yeah, I'm really glad to be here. Thanks, thanks you guys for the uh, the invitation, and uh, yeah, this is gonna be good. Yeah, we're we're really glad to have uh, someone who's you know just as professional as we are uh, in your you know fancy studio background. There, uh, you're you're hiding out in a closet. It seems like what is <laughs> I this? am I am hiding out because as you guys know, having kids, you know, it's 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 wild around here, right? This was like <laughs> the only place that uh, I could get where it was just quiet enough to where I can actually do this. Well. Without like hearing screaming and everything else. So, yeah, <laughs> you guys know it's like, all right, uh, I got a closet. I mean, just make it work. Yeah. yeah. What are the ages of your kids? Oh, my goodness, man. This is uh, this is tough because um, I'm really having a hard time with this. My uh, my oldest daughter just turned 14. I don't know. It's it's weird. It's it, it hurts. <laughs> <laughs> and then I have a 10 year old and an eight year old. Okay. Yeah. It's a good span. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough, man. I'm really having a hard time with it. I don't know. Maybe I just need like uh I need some <laughs> some fatherly advice because it just it happened too quick. Like what is going on? My right. my daughter's high now. It's it's I don't know. It's just moving too quick. Let me just take a I need on that note, let me just take <laughs> <laughs> Well, Clayton and I were just talking about that before you came on where he was talking about how he's got an 18-year-old and mm-hmm. you know, my my kid is still under 2. So, we're kind of on different ends of the dad spectrum and you're right there in the middle, right in between us. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's funny. That's funny, yeah. Yeah, I got 18 and soon to be 16. So, yeah. But right, you yeah. remember the days where you know they were just two, like they were just crawling mm-hmm. around. Now it's like, what are what are you doing? You're driving now. Like, what is going yeah. on? 
Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Something's not dude. right here. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. Like, I'm really having a hard time with it. My wife the other day was like, are you okay? It was at her party, and I'm just like, I'm not okay. Like, when did this happen? Yeah. You know? It's insane. And now you're spending your Sunday night hiding out in a closet, recording yes. a podcast with a couple bearded dudes drinking. Uh, <laughs> Welcome to middle age. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. My feet and my back hurt. Yes. I'm, I'm there. <laughs> I had stress so, before I came on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. So what, what are we drinking? What, what, what do you got there? Uh, so this is a, uh, it's a Jack Daniels, Tennessee, Honey something. I don't know. Really good. Yeah. I think that's how what it is. It's just like a whiskey. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. Yeah. Those, those are, straight, those are real tasty. Yeah. Yeah. Straight. Well, straight. Well. What about you guys? Well, I'm sipping on. So it's a local brewery called Pono Brewing. Um, nice. I got a, It's like a rice lager they did. Um, a Japanese rice lager, and it's a nice. collaboration with a local chef out here. So he wanted something that would kind of go with a plethora of food. So it's like 4.7%. So it's like really light, easy, crisp for like this super hot weather we got up here. So, Yeah, man. That sounds beautiful. Um, I'm drinking the Athletic Brewing Company Free Wave uh, Hazy IPA. Um, I've been drinking non-alcoholics for a while now, and it's fantastic i love this one this is one of the best so um i always try to have some of these in the fridge yeah that's did awesome you, have you had i haven't seen it but i know it's out they did a seasonal it's a collaboration with netflix hmm. i don't know when when i see it i'll snap a picture but yeah. yeah i guess they did they did a collaboration with netflix wow good um, for them but i think i might have told you before but i've had a athletics oktoberfest it's really good nice and then it we makes got some... another. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> you go ahead. <laughs> yeah, they they just they make some really good beers. Uh, I was just commenting to my wife tonight about some of the different ones that we've gotten. We've uh, we're, we've ordered several different sours, and then like oh, they yeah. have a coffee stout now that we just got. I haven't tried it yet, but it's in the fridge. Oh, and yeah. then uh, they've even done one of those Clamato beers, uh, where it's oh. like like the the V eight beer combo which yeah. i'm not a huge fan of uh that sort of thing but i, I like I, I like vegetable juice i just feel weird about vegetable right. juice in my beer well they made a rattler too oh yeah yeah which i was like a non-alcoholic rattler i'm like wouldn't that just be like grapefruit soda <laughs> <laughs> I'm like but there's another there's another uh brewery that i've had it's called sober carpenter okay and um, they they've got like a Belgian ale, uh, IPA, and uh, um, a R Irish red ale. And the Irish red ale is really good. I like the name too, Sober Carpenter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, that, that is good. I was like a drunk carpenter would be waving like this, you know, <laughs> no fingers. <laughs> now, now, Johnny, what do you drink when you're, um, if as far as like beers go, when you're not drinking the uh, Tennessee honey whiskey? Yeah, so I really like a chocolate stout. You had mentioned that earlier, like. I love a chocolate stout. I love, um, I don't know if you guys ever heard, I forget the brewery it is, but, um, Jucifer, it's an IPA. It's pretty, oh, it it's sounds like a, yummy. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. Really good. Um, yeah, I, I find myself like drinking, like, I know, I don't know how you guys feel, about, but like Mike's hard lemonade. I really like that type of stuff. Um, sure. All right. Show's over. 
Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> You're fired. <laughs> Clean out your locker. Goodness. Yeah. But um, yeah, I'm uh, yeah, I love um, there's some uh, there's a really good brewery uh, locally, man. They, they just, I don't know. I tend to like, I, I just stick to the same thing. So like, it's always like chocolate stout for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. and there's like a peanut butter stout. Oh man. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's some good stuff. Yeah, I was I was really on a culinary beer kick for a while, uh, especially when I first moved to Florida. And there's a like it was a big thing. I think it probably still is, but uh, I'm not as much on the craft beer scene here these days. But uh, but you know, nine years ago when I moved here, there was um, everybody was wanting to be like Funky Buddha, and Funky Buddha got put on the map with their maple bacon coffee porter. Mm-hmm. Um, but they they also had like a blueberry cobbler and uh they had like a sweet potato casserole and like they just oh, nice. kind of went balls to the wall with unique culinary beers and pretty much every one of them was just amazing just so good and so like all the other breweries started doing the same thing and so i like i don't know i gained i gained some weight though during that season because it because <laughs> you know like every one of those beers is like a dessert you know, I was like, those are not low calorie beers. <laughs> not at all. Like a strawberry lager. That's really good too. That's yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. We've got a brewery out here too called Great Notion. And they do a lot of those, like you're saying, Jamie, like as far as like uh they have like a blueberry muffin one. They've got a yeah. blueberry pancake. They've got um so in a lot and a lot of these are like the um uh smoothie style sours. So yeah. like when you pour it, it looks like a smoothie. Wow. Yeah, of course, I, at that point, I'm like, is it even beer? But right, know, honestly, <laughs> though, I'm I love the the stuff. I love the mm-hmm. the whole like style bending thing that has gone on in the craft beer world because yeah. I think it it's encouraged innovation. Yeah, man, and mm-hmm. like we've unlocked like a whole range of beer styles in the modern era that just really weren't there they were not well represented before and Mm -hmm. like we kind of live in a golden age of beer um oh we do it's like a terrible time for someone like me to to like give up drinking because like there's so many good beers out there but like on the other hand i guess it's a great time though because there are so many good beers out there there's now like a ton of amazing non-alcoholic beers well i was gonna say I've I like at work I have a whole four foot section that I carved out for all just non alcoholic beers. Wow, I mean there's non alcoholic uh, black beet porter now. Wow, so hmm. there's all it's the quality's gone up and it tastes like beer. So what a time huh. to be alive! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know we aren't only about beer. We did spend a lot of time talking about beer, and I I love that. But we're also about beards and. Um, you know, we don't yeah. always have get with like you don't have to have a beard to be on the show, but it helps. Um, <laughs> and you got a pretty say- ni- you got a nice beard. Tell us about your relationship with facial hair. Yeah, so it's uh, this isn't actually real. I just put this on. Oh I- wow! <laughs> <laughs> no you man, stencil, you stencil it in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just kind of it's just there. I just kind of pull it off. I'm like, oh, okay, no beards. Um, no, um, yeah, I'm afraid to see what I look like underneath this thing, man. It's been a while since I, uh, <laughs> I see, I seen what's under here. Yeah. Um, it's, it's funny though, but yeah, I, um, I'd, um, yeah, I don't know <laughs> what, what is, what is there to say, I guess, about, about a beard? Um, well, how long you had a beard? Oh man. Um, 
like as far as can grow a beard or <laughs> i mean have you been no, rocking been, it continuously for rocking, years or i've been rocking this same beard for uh for quite some time i actually just okay. uh just trimmed it up a little bit it was uh it was getting kind of lengthy but um it, it was weird because it was like it was at a great length but of course as you know like you just trim it and one side just you try evening it out and by next thing you know it's just gone it's yeah, like yeah 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 it's terrible it's terrible. It's still a still a sore subject, but um, because <laughs> it was so good. I mean, it was like man, a couple years ago during kind of the pandemic, it was like the longest I ever had it, and it was just man, it was just amazing. And kind of the same thing. Went to trim it like an idiot, cut it too short, and just tried evening yeah. it out. It just ended up to nothing. It was just terrible. That's rough. <laughs> Rest in peace. Rest in peace. But yeah, um, man, the the amount of guys I noticed that can't grow facial hair it's just it's 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 sad i don't know what <laughs> my heart goes out to them my heart goes out to them too i'm just like dang that's tough <laughs> do, do do you do anything to uh you know take care of it do you do you do the beard oils do you condition yeah, the, what what do you do the balms um constantly brushing it cuz it's just it wants to go everywhere it's got a mind of it, mind of its own but um but yeah yeah that's what kind it, of products just, you guys use for your beards? Like, you know, we um, Royal Ruckus beard oil. <laughs> really? That's true. That's true. We, uh, I, Wait, I do, make beard oil? I, I do have beard oil from time to time. Um, oh, yeah, I'm gonna I, have to get some. Yeah, you I can get I, it on buymeacoffee.com backslash Royal Ruckus. That's true. Oh, I, yeah. I, I do think if I have any current stock, though, it may be as old as a year. So I'd need to check for oxidation to make sure that it's, mm. uh, it's still good. I want to I, I wouldn't want to sell you anything that was old, but um, I yep. do from time to time make a batch of beard oil. Um, oh. I don't I the, the trouble is that to make it cost effective, you have to do it in such large batches that it's way too much for me to do it for myself um it, there's plenty of really decent commercially available beard oils out there and uh i've occasionally like had some that i like but now i'm mostly just um you know if i see one somewhere and it looks good to me i add it to the collection you know uh and yeah. I, I i usually have like two or three on hand at any given time uh and mm. i just cycle through them so they don't you know i don't want anything to go rancid or stinky you know so yeah. um that's pretty much all I do. I condition and then, and I do that. And then occasionally I use the, uh, I've said this on the show a few times. Um, so my apologies if anybody's tired of hearing it, but I get that, uh, olive oil lotion that you get from like the African hair section in the stores and there's different kinds and different qualities. Um, but I will put that in at night sometimes here and a little bit in the top of my hair. And it's, really good and it's it's great for people with curly hair too that's how i got it like when my when i grow my hair out it's curly so yeah my my hair kind of curls the same but you know that's that's awesome yeah that's things i'm gonna take into consideration because i just wash it you know condition it sometimes just yeah just pass a brush through it sometimes i don't even put the balm in you know so yeah mm -hmm. i like hearing different techniques because i'm just going off of what i know so it's really cool to, to hear how oh. other people take care of it one thing i do like i've got a wooden comb which is really nice because it, it it evenly distributes the oils and you don't get like that plastic static pole. Uh, okay. Um, which my wife has got super curly hair. So I ended up getting her one. I had to get a wider tooth though for curly hair. And she, like once she's got it, she's like, this is nice. Cause like 
you know and so i'll get a smudge and kind of like massage my face with it to kind of distribute the oils but like a lot of times i'll either use just straight olive oil or coconut oil or shea butter sometimes i'll make my own but right now i think i'm just using it as like i got like from work it was like this like cbd face oil so i've just been like rubbing that in there kind of like keep it moisturized and stuff like yeah, that yeah 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 it just keeps it you know it yeah it's it conditions it you know what i'm saying yeah. so it keeps it from kind of getting all especially when you get the gray ones they decide to go wherever they want to go <laughs> so <laughs> you get some yeah. to kind of like you know settle down <laughs> you know that's what i'm dealing with right now yeah just man in there yeah so. I've, I've got a few coming in uh i gotta tell you guys a fear that i have and maybe maybe you could tell me if this is scientifically uh bogus or not but uh someone told me uh, planted this idea in my head that if I were to shave down, um, particularly at this time in my life, and I've got quite a bit of color, um, that there's a good chance that I would lose the color and that it would grow back um, much grayer. Um, that like a, a, one of the ways to prolong the color in my beard is actually to keep my beard healthy and alive and the color alive. Is that true or am I just being scared into keeping my beard full, which is fine? I would say you're scared. Okay. Um, I would say the um, the color retention comes from not having teenagers. <laughs> Fair um, enough. Fair enough. You know, because I think I've the last time I think I like fully like shaved my whole face was 2012. Yeah. Now it was. What, 2021 after i shaved my head when i cut my dreads i had shaved just the sides and i trimmed this down and had a goatee so this is the grayest part of my face well mostly sure but um so i've it's been you know 11 years since i've shaved this off and i looked at a picture of myself five years ago and there was like hardly any gray and i'm like well you know my kids yeah. were my daughter was you know 11 now she's going to be 16 so i'm just i mean this could be bogus math i don't know i'm just saying <laughs> <laughs> uh, also yeah. judging from the size of that beard it's like been like 32 years since you've been carded for a beer um yeah, I, it's so <laughs> they funny weren't even like, carding you when you were underage <laughs> oh dude but i couldn't even grow anything until i was like 23 24 oh, really? like it would barely i mean i finally started getting some but it would barely it wouldn't connect here and I was looking at pictures of myself when I was like 19 and it would grow down here. And so it would be so sparse in the middle. I would just shave my chin. And then I look at pictures of myself and it was like these busted chops. I'm like, what do you, it looked like I, like I was like running, like I was skateboarding and I just fell on my chin and everything, you know, just rubbed off. <laughs> oh my goodness. That sounds terrible. So now I'm making up for it. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. Kind of had the same conversation today because I'm having some come in and, that exactly my same thought was to ask my wife the same thing she's done like um you know done hair and stuff like that and uh she's she wasn't too sure either so i don't know i'm kind of worried too i've got the same fear <laughs> of like okay if i shave it i don't want to like it come back and it just be like you know completely white that would just be terrible yeah well jamie is what you could do is you could do one of two things either just shave the sideburns right and have like a goatee and then uh -huh. see if those come back in gray or just shave half your face you know like those commercials you would see where they're driving by and, the, face and there's on, a face off. <laughs> yeah. I love and it. then you know you see 
Yeah, I, th I think I'm probably just going to go ahead and not shave my beard um, until, you know, maybe when it's already all white. Because I just like having a beard and I'll, I don't mind keeping the color around a little longer. Yeah. You think you'll ever uh, go summer cicadas length again? I don't know. I don't know. Um, I What I would like to do, and this is what sparks this conversation, really, honestly, for me, is that I would love to grow a year, a one year beard. Oh. So um, that's what I did when I when you saw the beard in the cicadas photos. That was my one year beard. Um, so, yeah, I would like to. But I what I would want to do is I would want to do it right. I want to do it completely shaved and then let it grow in. Um mm -hmm. But I don't. Maybe that's I, something we. I don't want to. Yeah, I think you just might have to wait a few years because I think I'm going to hang on to this color as long as I can. All right. <laughs> you got to drink, you you drink beet juice, dude. Gets that color back in there. <laughs> <laughs> I I did get carded the other day, sweet girl. I think it was for a non-alcoholic beer too. <laughs> you know <laughs> what is this? What is this world? <laughs> Thought this so, was America. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to talk to you. I I, uh, I didn't mean to go off on on beards for so long, but you know it's not every day we have someone with as fine of a beard as yours. Um, I appreciate. No, I'm, it's all but good. I do want to get into a little bit of like the creative coping podcast. Uh, I want to know like why you like what compelled you to start it. But I think before you get into that, uh, you got to talk about like what it is, and I know that there may be some shifts in where it's going. So. Take us a little bit into it. Yeah. So the fact that I'm even talking to you guys right now, it's it's so insane to me because I started this, like I started doing spoken word about 10 years ago and really I did it as a means of creative coping. Uh, at the time uh, I was completely straight edge. I've never even tasted alcohol until I was 30 years old. So I've never done drugs, never popped pills, never smoked cigarettes or anything. So I was completely straight edge. So we're probably going to take a little deeper, darker dive here. But at the beginning of 2012, uh, my wife and I were expecting our son. It was our uh, second kid. And long story short, he didn't make it. And, you know, it was it. it Man, I spiraled like I just like mentally, like outwardly. I think I was so good at just holding it together, putting on, a, you know, putting up the facade of like everything's OK, whatever. I'm going to get through this, you know, Um man, but I was like falling apart and I didn't really like my faith was shaken. Like I was just not yeah. knowing where. And like during a time where people should come together to help you through it, a lot of my family, a lot of friends just didn't know how to handle it. So that everyone backed mm -hmm. off. Mm -hmm. And So man, it just left me like just angry and just, you know, kind of lost in a sense. And I turned to what I always did and it was going back to writing, you know, finding my notebooks and just kind of filling the pages with exactly how I felt and, you know, with the filter off and like, I found so much comfort in doing that of just, you know, expressing myself in ways where, you know, um, I didn't necessarily have the right words, you know? And so, um, to be able to do that, then I started, you know, making sense of these writings I had in my notebook and started to started with the idea of maybe I'll turn these into spoken word pieces because I've always kind of played music and my brother and I were in a band. It was during this time where we were playing this gig 
and just no one was really paying attention, you know? And I was like, you know what, maybe I'll do this spoken word piece that, you know, I had, you know, memorized, you know, from my notebooks Sure. and did it and kind of did it with my eyes closed. And next thing I know, opened my eyes and people are like flocking to the stage and it's like, Whoa, what was that? And it was just like, Oh, I don't have any more of that. That was it. Like we're, we'll finish the set. And like people wanted more of that. And I was like, wow, I didn't think my words would resonate with people that way. I just, I'm so used to performing and playing, and, yeah. you know, people on their phones, they're doing whatever, whatever, you know, they're not really paying attention. And that was the first time I ever noticed like, Oh, I can say these things and really express myself in this way. And really just kind of get this chip. I had to walked around with this chip on my shoulder and it's this grief that I was holding on to. And man, it was like for the first time, Oh, people are listening now. Like it just, so <laughs> when other people started relating to it and it's starting to resonate with audiences, I was like, man, I got to keep this up. Like, you know, I was getting approached by people. I had a friend call me one time at midnight and was like, man, you know, because I was recording stuff on my phone and posting it on SoundCloud. I wasn't expecting sure. anyone to really hear it. I just needed to do something with these words and this grief that I had. And, um, yeah, man, getting those phone calls where people were just like, man, I'm, I'm up listening to your stuff. I'm like, it's not even, it's not even like it's a cell phone recording. Like it's, you know, sure. yeah. but I think it was just, I noticed then that, oh, like I can give this grief words. I can personify this pain. Yeah. And instead of taking out this anger on people, I could take it out on a microphone. I could take it out on an audience in a sense, in a healthy way, yeah. you know? And that's really where it started for me. And um, yeah, man, it's been, it's been a crazy ride so far. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I find with creative coping, you know, from doing like open mics or just shows in general, realizing like, oh, this isn't, this isn't something that's just for me. Like there are people all around me who are really just grieving through life or they're just really going through different, you know, different um, seasons in their life, you know, where they're just struggling. Yeah, and the best that right. they could do get in front of a in front of an audience and perform and just let it out. And I, I noticed that very quickly and I realized I wasn't the only one, you know, uh, dealing with these things. And that's what I wanted to be for other people as a beacon where they knew like, hey, he's he's been through this. He struggled like this. I want to be very transparent um, with my art. And so yeah. I don't know. Long story short. Um, yeah, it's it's allowed me some some amazing opportunities and. Um, yeah. And I just found kind of solace in that, um, in that ability to construct my words and articulate my words in a way that resonates with people, you know? Yeah. So that, that's really interesting too, because, you know, I asked the question about a podcast and mostly heard a, a story about, um, your journey through something difficult that really was about like it finding its expression in something else. We didn't really talk much about the podcast, right? The podcast is more like, well, of course there's these other people that have yeah. this too. I think mm -hmm. that's an interesting realization. Cause like, I don't know that I realized how much I leaned on writing songs or even just like playing the drums. Uh, I played drums and piano when I was younger and uh, it, even just going into that world and just making music is itself therapeutic. Like it doesn't even have to have those, the word component that comes with a, an MC or a spoken word poet, 
Like it can just be pounding away at the piano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's very kind of amazing. Yeah, yeah. And I guess I guess the reason why is because I guess it all stems from that. There there wouldn't be creative coping without you know the different seasons in my life, and that's you know that's just to me when when I think creative coping, when I think about spoken word, it all goes back to like that February of losing my son, everything yeah. correlates with that because if that wouldn't have happened, I would have never, I would have I'm t- telling you, I would have never done spoken word because hmm. I never wanted to be, I was a front man for different bands, but I never really wanted to be up there by myself because it was never really about me. I just enjoyed performing. Yeah. But once I almost felt like it was like an obligation at one point of like, no, I have a story and I have this and I really want to say it. And, I'll be damned if anybody's going to stop me from, you know, sugarcoating this or, you know, um, having to kind of minimize my pain. And, and that really gave me the, the, the gumption, the, the, the drive, like motive, like my, my main motivation is, is, is just an urgency because I understand how life is just so short and it, I'm, I'm always acting in a sense of urgency. I talk to, um, uh, it's, it's a hip hop artist named Q Unique. He was on um, yeah, my show man. recently, and we talked about that. And he talked about that same thing of just that urgency of just because he knows life is very short, and and yeah. you know, and that's where it all. Look stands. at that. Yeah, got that still well. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Sweet. Holding up his record. Yeah, such great guys, man. So I had to meet Kaya, but I was like, yo, somebody else knows. I think I saw him post something about him being on your show, but yeah, he's I've been listening to him since Arsonist days. Yeah, that's insane. That's insane. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, it's funny, but that all relates. It all goes back to that, you know, because, you know, everything before that, I mean, I always wanted to be on a stage. I always wanted to be a musician and do these things, but it wasn't until like I realized like, oh, like I found my purpose through that grief of like, man, I just... You know, if I can put something out that other people relate to, and as long as people yeah. are relating to it, then I'm just going to keep doing it, you know, but the, yeah. the moment it dries up and it becomes more about, it becomes more about me and it's more self-absorbed Well, then that's, I don't know. I feel like I've lost it at that point, you know, but with the creative coping podcast, I wanted to give other people a chance because most of the guests that I have on there are people that feel like their story doesn't matter. They feel like they're no one's, it won't make a difference. Like if they're on the show or not. And the majority of my guests felt that way. You know, they were just like, no, why do you want me? What I got nothing yeah. to offer. Nobody. I'm, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't think I don't, I'm not working on a book or a record or and it's like, it doesn't matter. Like yeah, everyone has a story. And like the more, like we just give people a chance to speak, like, I don't know. We, we realize some really interesting things about each other and how much we really, you know, are more, um, more alike than we are different. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll even say just even with you sharing your story as far as doing spoken word and um, doing the podcast and stuff. um, It's funny because like even like what Jamie was saying, because like I'm a drummer as well. And that's something I would do like in my teenage years. Like I would just like go in the garage and if I was mad or whatever, and I would just start banging around. And there'd be times I would come in and my mom was asleep on the couch. And it's because I would go in from doing like these, you know, metal blast beat stuff to yeah. just rock and just straight like break beats. And it would like put her to sleep. It would relax her, <laughs> you know, incre- but it, go ahead. No, no, I was just saying that's incredible. Yeah. Well, and it's, and it's like, it was therapeutic for me, but then also inadvertently, even though I was 
maybe trying to like upset my mom by playing fast and loud. It put her to sleep. <laughs> but you know, the thing is, is like we had a miscarriage in between my two kids yeah. and I did the exact same thing you did is I went to the pen and pad and I ended up writing like a whole kind of like song to, you know, my lost child. And yeah. it really, it really kind of gave me that, um, you know, some of the closure. Cause I mean, it, it, it hit my wife super hard, you know, as it should have, like she carried that baby all the time to find out it's not there anymore. Um, so I just, it's kind of cool hearing Jamie talk about like the drums and you talk about this. It's like, if it wasn't for the podcast, like this wouldn't happen. You know? Yeah. It's funny, man. I always wanted to be a drummer because I always felt like that would be like the greatest stress reliever in the world. It's just, <laughs> it certainly helps. Mm -hmm. Like they hate me at Guitar Center because when I go in, I'm just like, oh, this is my chance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No stairway to heaven. You, no stairway. Yeah, right. Straight, whatever the hell I'm playing. I don't know. I try right. to. <laughs> Crazy. It's funny. But isn't it funny though? Grief is like a, is a funny thing. Like we could talk about these things now and like, we could share a laugh after, you know what I mean? I think yeah, I mean, that's, that's an amazing thing about growth and just realizing, man, like, I don't know. It, it's, I don't know. I don't know if I even have the right words for it, you know, but it, it's, a, it's in a sense, it's very like, you know, you realize how far you've come and how much you've healed from it, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, yeah. and not necessarily even went through it, but still going through it. Like every day, like, once again going deep but like when i count my like my kids like in the back seat like i have to i get tripped up because i'm like okay i'm I'm counting four like my son caden will always be a part of our life so when i'm counting my three girls like sometimes i have to like put it in check like okay he's not here though like that's you know even though he's never existed with them like you know what i mean like it's yeah. pretty wild because like after after losing him we had two daughters after so yeah They've never even, you know what I mean? But we live our life like he's still a part of it. Like we still like every year, you know, show up at his gravesite, release balloons, like things like that. We still celebrate him like, you know, he's here. So and we've done that for the past 10 years. So, um, yeah, but but it's just a part of life, man. It's something that you just take it as as it is. You know, it's it's like, you know, I explain it a lot. I don't know what it's like to be missing any one of my limbs, but it's almost like in a in a not in a physical sense but in a metaphorical sense of just like man there's always going to be a piece of me missing that it's like a phantom pain that even though mm -hmm. not here it's like oh I, I still miss it though i still i still feel it it's lost yeah. you know and so and my son he was so he was 10 months like he was 10 pounds like he was full term like wow. yeah it was yeah so it was just it was insane because the expectancy of just like oh man he's he's almost here and just right at the very end it just it didn't happen so but but it's funny man grief is just a funny thing where where you can look back and you know it's the same thing i relate it to comedy a lot that you know comedy like tragedy plus time is comedy you know and mm. so funny the dark humor you get out of things and the, the things you find funny that my gosh it just it sounds terrible to people but i don't know i feel like it's just the way you kind of your mind kind of develops after you know you just have to learn to deal with it you know mm -hmm. It's it's something uh Mike Walker, my partner in Royal Rockets, said to me one time. Um, said something like, Well, sometimes you just have to push it out of your head so you can eat lunch. Yeah. And and you know, so sometimes that's that's how it is. You you just there's real life in front of you and and 
sometimes you can deal with it and sometimes you have the time to work through it in a song or to work yep. through it in in writing out a spoken word poetry or to bang it out in in the drum room but uh other times you just have to be able to function and and mm-hmm. step aside from it and uh because life just keeps coming at you um yeah no matter what grief is hanging out in the background you're right man you're really right about that like that that's absolutely true it's almost like you don't have the time like you got five minutes right now. Let's, let's, let's get it out. And the rest of the day, you like, you just have to like, you know, in my case, you know, I had a daughter at that time, you know, who was three yeah. years old and, and okay, we got to be strong for her trying to be, you know, yeah, she's seen us shed our, our fair share of tears, but it's like, all right, we've got to like, we can't just stay in this moment forever. Yeah. We have to kind of move on um, in a sense. And so that's why I say it's, it's one of those things that, it's something that we didn't just go through. It's something we're still going through, but it's just easier to carry. It's easier to carry right now. You know, one thing uh, I want to ask you about, if you don't mind. Um, so I think like rituals of grief can be very helpful too. And, yeah. um, you know, in, in the Orthodox church of which uh, Clayton and I are each a part of, uh, we have various, times that we do memorials and today in in my parish they had a 40-day memorial for some people who had been lost uh recently Mm -hmm. or had passed recently and um there's just a whole there's a whole thing that goes with it including like a little dessert that essentially gets blessed and eaten uh in their honor and it becomes as part of like it knits the people together in the present and and all that i was curious um that's my long preface to say I'm curious how you guys came to where you did to do the, the, the balloon release. And you don't necessarily have to share the intimate details of, of that, but I'm, I am curious, uh, how'd you come up with this and how has it helped you guys work through all of this? So it's mainly my wife. Like I'm terrible with birthdays as it is. I mean, like <laughs> mm-hmm. if it wasn't for her, like, I, I don't know. Because I, it's just, we were just raised different. Like to her, like she was treated as a kid, like it's your birthday. It is your day. Like, this is it. You know what I mean? Like me, not so much. I, it really wasn't that big of a deal. So when we got together, it was like for her birthday, I didn't really do anything. It's like, I I don't know. I got you a little something, but for her, she just has to go all out. She just has to like, that's just what she like you know, for my daughter's 14th birthday that just passed. I mean, she goes all out. It's almost like a two day thing where it's just like all about my oldest daughter, Nevaeh. And so it was the same thing with Caden. It was like, you know what? We, we went there, I think the first year, like the first, first birthday, you know, we went and we, it just so happened. Like we just decided then and there, like, no, we're going to do this every year. We're going to just, we're going to do it. This feels good. It feels good to kind of come here. You know, we come here other times, but, um, we're going to make it a point every, you know, for his birthday to do this. And, um, yeah, it's really because of her, like she really kind of spearheaded that and really makes it a point to celebrate all of our birthdays, to celebrate all of us. Sure, and yeah. Even for the son who isn't here, you know? And so it's all because of her, man. She, um, that's just, that's just how she rolls. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. And funny enough, it's actually her who should probably, who really suggested that I even do spoken word because I had this stuff oh. and I was kind of, Peter tottering on like, you know, um, should I do this? She's like, no, you, you'd be great at it. You should give it a shot. And normally that's all it takes for me. <laughs> it's like, there's enough self-deprecation for me and just so much self-doubt 
where she's like, no, I think you'd be great. And I'm like, really? You think so? Let me, okay. And then I have to try it now because if she's got confidence like that, you know? <laughs> um, and yeah, it was, it was her too. Like even after like um, I started performing a little bit, she reached out to like a local magazine and then they did like a, an interview with me, but it's really because of her. Like she is really okay. like the push that, that, you know, she just wants everyone to be celebrated around her. You know, it's just sure. something, something about her nature, you know? God bless our wives, man. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, so, so you did, you decided to say spoken word over like say hip hop, right. As opposed to that. And even just spoken word, like with no music, what made you go that route instead of say like rapping it out or like singing? So funny enough. So yeah, I was in a couple of different bands. I was doing like acoustic, like singer songwriter stuff. I've done stuff in like metal bands and things like that. The the freedom that I found in spoken word where, wait, there's no music like hindering what I want to say or the rhythm I should say it. And it was just an ability to just scribble everything down on paper or like on my computer and just type it all out and uh, being able to just say it with no particular rhythm at all. Just, just, mm really in the beginning it was really just sporadic and loud and just very like i didn't know what the hell i was doing i was just doing something i just had something sure. memorized my first gig as a spoken word poet i just i only had like these poems if you can even call them that they were just frankenstein together and it made just one long seven minute piece but it was just basically i was just you know spouting off with like you know a, a, some lyrics here some lyrics there oh i can connect those and I kind of rehearsed it a little bit and, you know, and, and that's just kind of what I did. But yeah, I really didn't. I love the, the freedom in spoken word because there really weren't many spoken word poets I could really look up to other than like Levi the Poet or like Bradley Hathaway, um, you know, Propaganda did some spoken word. So I was like, Saul Williams. Yeah. So it was like, man, I really didn't have too many influences I could really go off of. I just knew all I need is my voice. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to roll with it and see what happens. But really it was just, it was just a means of creative coping. It was, it was a means of dealing with grief. And that's why I think a lot of the, the certain, certain poems are just so heavy because it's just like, man, I'm dealing with this and no, I probably shouldn't say these things. Like, you know, I should like, but I just, you know, I uh, became an open book where I just, you know, I had some things to say and I just wanted to get off my chest mainly just due to the fact that I feel like I don't know if it's just the family I'm in or in or just like it was always just kind of like just stuff your feelings down. Like, you know, we don't have time for yeah. that right now. Kinda right. Just keep pushing it under a rug. Just keep bottling it up. And I was like, man, finally, for the first time where it's like, you know what? I don't care. Like what anyone thinks. I, I don't care about pleasing anyone. I'm going to say what I want to say. And spoken word, it just allowed me an opportunity to do that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Unhindered by the confines of music and um, yeah. and now it's funny like i'll just put music on like behind it if it flows like i'll record the spoken word stuff first and then whatever music fits with it it just kind of yeah the spoken word is always first it's funny it's i never funny. do music yeah i just well, do it like, and then, yeah listening to the ep it was like there was some songs it's like I like I beatbox, right? So there's there's certain songs where I was like, okay, let's see if I could like fit a beat behind this. And like some there was like a little bit of a cadence, and some like it was just like it wouldn't work, you know. Yeah. But but like you're saying, there is that that beauty and that freedom of like I'm just saying this thing. It's 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 rhythmically 
but it's like kind of the rhythm of my heart that I'm speaking it to. It's not rhythm of anything outside. It's a rhythm within, you know, yeah, and, but, and yeah. then like, I think that's what's kind of cool about like spoken word is like, it's um, like you're saying, it's like, it's, it's, there's no confines of music. Like I love music, you know, and it's like, but sometimes it's like, you don't have to worry about like driving the music or the music driving you. You're like, I'm just doing this. It's, it's like a, evidence from dilated peoples he had a line in a song where he's like you know my lyrics are like therapy they take care of me get shit off my chest you know <laughs> and it's like yeah. that's what's happening you know that's all it is that's all it's ever been for me <clears throat> you know um yeah so <laughs> it's weird i never really sit down and actually think about why i do these things i just do them <laughs> it's just like not until sure. i'm asked oh yeah yeah that's probably yeah that makes sense that's why i do it you know <laughs> one thing i've been trying to uh wrap out wrap wrap out wrap my mind around is like the rules of the game and spoken word poetry so i yeah, feel same. like you know 25 years ago when royal ruckus was uh you know a baby rap group and um we would see spoken word going on at some of our shows with other artists and it usually was like an extension of the mc and it was usually rhythmic not necessarily confined to strict bars but mm -hmm. it was more in line with rapping and there would often be uh rhyming even if the rhyme scheme was a little more free again than a tr traditional rap song but i feel like as the years have gone on uh and especially as i've been back out on the scene in the last few years going out on open mics and stuff i hear a lot of spoken word poetry that i'm like it's i don't mean this in a degrading way but it's like oh no that's a rant um <laughs> like <laughs> that that's not really a poem that's a rant um yeah. and and there's not a lot that ties it together now not all spoken word poets are are the same what's the rules of the game these days help me understand uh how that works uh, does a does a spoken word poem have to rhyme etc take me into it I don't even know the rules. If there are rules, I probably broken all of them. But um, yeah, it's funny because when I write, I wish I couldn't rhyme. Like, honestly, I, I see poets do it. And like you said, rant and they can do it and they do it sometimes really great and sometimes not so great. But I honestly just can't do that because everything is rehearsed and everything I feel like has to rhyme. Like, yeah. it's a, I feel like it's really a curse where it's like a blessing and a curse where I wish I could just have that ability to just go up there and just rant and get it off like but instead I, I am in a in a sense I guess I am confined to the rhyme you know because like without even trying it just happens and it's like oh man like you know mm -hmm. and then I mean a couple years ago I mean Brandon Leak wins America's Got Talent the spoken word poet you know wins you know so it's him his was more storytelling and things like that and it's just it's so different, but yeah, as far as rules, I don't know if there are, if there are, I've, I've broken them, I think, um, <laughs> because I don't, I really don't fit into the, the box of anything. It's so weird, but you know, but it's, it's put me in some really cool places. Um, um, it, it's insane because I don't know if I feel like if I followed in the beginning, I did, I tried to, you know, I want to respect the, the craft. And so I was doing all the research I could with, okay. Um, 
you know, what is what is considered a spoken word poem and, and how, how should I rhyme? Is there rhyming? Should there not be rhyming? And I was just like, you know what? No, I'm just going to do what I want. And that's pretty much it. Like it was, I don't know. It was a very, it was just a very, um, it was just this attitude I had that like, no, I'm just going to do it my way. Yeah. And I don't yeah. know if it's the right way or not. Sure. But it's like I said, it's taken me into some really cool places. It's inspired other poets to present their work. I mean, it's, it's put me in some really cool places as in like, even just like on a local level. And I mean, I did a, I did a spoken word workshop, you know, with nice. RL Stein as the keynote speaker. So, oh, wow. That's cool. So that like, gives me goosebumps. Thing, if there are, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so if there are rules, I think I've gotten further by breaking them and not mm-hmm. abiding by them. than I would have, if I would just stick to, you know, a certain set of rules, you know? Yeah, and yeah, so, yeah. um, I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I don't know. <laughs> and, and there are probably like, really, I hate to, I'm not gonna, I hate to use this word, but like spoken word snobs that are like, no, this is how you do it. And this is, I don't know. I mean, everything from like jazz clubs in new Orleans to, you know, classrooms to presenting that and getting students to get excited about poetry and to get yeah. up and read things that they don't even speak in class. They don't even yeah. speak. And at the end of class, they're presenting poetry. They're presenting something they they've written. And the teachers yeah. are like, dumbfounded they're like these kids don't even talk like how do how do you get them to do this so if there are rules i'm i'm glad to say that i've i've pretty much broken them sure. <laughs> or haven't abided or redefined by it or redefined it in a sense that just allowed for more creative freedom and, yeah and yeah you know um like i said I, i'm pretty sure like i said maybe I've, i would have gotten further by now by abiding to certain rules but i don't know i'm kind of uh hate to say it i'm just kind of happy where with where i'm at you know Shouldn't hate to say that. Well, and it's, yeah, it, but you know what I mean. I guess because the dream was always like, okay, if I'm going to do this, then I'm going to go yeah. I'm all out. I'm going to, yeah. uh, you know, I've always wanted to tour. I've always wanted to do those things. I've never done yeah. any of that. So yeah, only yeah. really on a local level where I can see kind of like the fruit of that labor of like, you know, walking into a school and they're like, you're a poet. Okay. And they put their head down to like, go to sleep. There's no respect. But then it's like, okay. then you present something and their heads up. And their attention is on you, and they're like, "Whoa, wh- what the hell just happened? Sure. Like, who's this guy?" Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't make sense, and that's why you know the name fits Johnny Anomaly because I'm not what you would expect. I'm not the poet you would expect to walk in your class and get your students to write and speak and and do these things. You know, um, it, it's not something you would expect. And and believe me, I mean, I had a less than you know, I barely got out of high school, and since then I've done poetry workshops and presentations in colleges that I would have never that I've never been to. I've never, never been to college. I barely got out of high school. And so I guess with that, it's just saying like, you know, um, you know, I don't know, you know, it's been an amazing past 10 years. You know, I look at certain points where I'm like, man, I should be further along, but then other points where I'm like, you know what, that's, that's what it's about. Like if you can do a performance, if it's just one person, I mean, yeah, it's little victories like that. Like there's a local poet, man. he, you know, he wanted to release a book of poetry. This is a kid that I have, you know, I've done workshops before and he just showed up to them and it was really inspired by what I presented. And he asked me like, man, I just want to be able to put my words on paper and I want to put out a book. And I told him how to do it. And he released yeah. his first poetry book. And it's those little things of just like, man, I would tell these students all the time, like, I want you guys to go even further than I'm going, like further than, you know, I could possibly go. 
because that's what it's about. It's just reaching back and pulling someone else ahead of you. You know, I don't have competition. Like I just, I don't like, I just want everybody to win. Like literally like, it's so funny because you know, you get, like I said, even just on a local level, you get a little notoriety on a local level. And it's just, people are just like, Oh, you think, what do you think you are? Like, you're not even really a real Pope. (laughs) Like, okay. Like I want you to win too, dude. I don't like, yeah, yeah. I'm not comfortable seeing my face on a local magazine either. I don't like it, but I'm going to roll with it if they want to do it. Like, you know what I mean? And so even on that level, like I've never been like conceited in that way. I'm always like wanting to help someone else out. And you know, if I can help a kid write his, publish his own self, his self published book of poetry. And on the front page is, you know, I would like to thank Johnny anomaly, you know, one of my, you know, really huge inspiration to me, man, that's it. Like that's, I'm good, man. Like I'm good with, there's a classroom full of students that resonate with something like, man, when you see kids, like I said, who barely speak and they get up there and a class is just cheering them. Like, yeah. like, like and you hear, and you have other teachers come in, like, what is going on? Like we, we hear screaming down the hall. It's like, no, they're cheering for this kid. Like if I can just do that for someone to make them feel like their voice matters, like they're worth being heard. Cause a lot yeah. of these kids, a lot of us adults, man, we, we walk around with so much insecurity on yeah. like, well, what if I say this and will it even matter? Like, like tonight, I mean, will it matter if I'm even on the podcast? Right. It doesn't like, it does matter. Like these things yeah, do matter. Millions of listeners, bro. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I guess like in my mentality, I do think like, well, who the hell am I? Like, why? Yeah, yeah. Like you guys could definitely, you know what I mean? So it's, I wrestle with that a lot. You know, I wrestle with a lot of insecurity that, um, that, um, because I don't, feel like i really belong here like i just did this to as a means to cope like i Mm. i didn't i didn't mean to get this far in it i didn't mean to still be doing this you know what i mean yeah it was never intended i guess and that's why i guess it surprises me still where people invite me onto a podcast or you know to an open mic event or a poetry workshop or things like that it just it blows my mind it's like i okay are you sure like you (laughs) like yeah no well i I I think it's it's amazing, uh, you know, how much the internet has opened up the world to us, right? But um, I think we are in desperate need of beautiful things happening that are like real on the local level. Like some of some of my sweetest memories of, of performing for Royal Ruckus were at elementary schools. Like I like the kids need that inspiration. They need that time. You're creating an experience that'll stay with them. You're you're. You know, even if they don't remember all the particulars, you're making an impact in that moment that they're not going to forget. Like it's it's a little different, but a similar principle. Like I've gotten some of my best shows were living room shows or small coffee shop shows, um, Mm. you know, out there in, you know, uh, boondocks, North Carolina, instead of um, Hollywood. Right. Um, Sure. I've I've had Hollywood shows. They were great. But like, honestly, some of my best shows were those smaller local things. I played a kid's birthday party right before we got our record deal. And that that was one of the most enthusiastic shows we played at that time. Um, so, yeah. you know, I, th- I think I think doing something on that local level matters. Um, I think having an impact on kids matters. Um, so I, and those are, those are not the same thing, but they're, they're very closely related. So yeah. I, I think it's incredible that, you, that you've done workshops, um, 
you know, at the college level, but I, I think it's even greater to me that you've like worked with kids because yeah. like you've got to ignite that fire when they're young. Mm. Um, and, and I think it's too, like, we were talking about like the gift that is available to all of us through creativity. Life is yeah. freaking hard. And yeah. every one of these kids are going to face really tough stuff. And, you know, I don't want to get into any of the culture wars, but the culture wars aren't helping. And, right. and so like these kids are going out there into this world without tools. Mm. And for someone who's, who can come in and like help them deal with their feelings in an appropriate way, because now they mm-hmm. know that they picked up something on how to write a, a poem, you know, like, mm-hmm. I think that's incredible. I think that's big yeah. stuff. Yeah, I think so. And like one of the the biggest things for me is like seeing a kid, you know, ask you, "Hey, can I show you this poem I wrote?" And I'm I'm dumbfounded. I'm just like, "Man, this is amazing. How long have you been writing?" He's like, "Oh, since you since you started talking at the beginning of class." It's like, "You what? Like <laughs> right. How? Like you know, and so that and man, and and for my daughters to see that. I want them to see that you can feel great. Like I can come home and feel great from performing. Like you said, in front of like a little coffee house full of people who just so happen to just resonate with it. Yeah. You know what I mean? That yeah. feeling of like, Oh yeah, I got to write another one. I got to write, I got to keep this going. Like I got to keep this momentum going, you know? And so, and it's funny too, because like, I want to talk about also like inspiration behind some of this. Cause I know we talk about grief and, and co- creative coping, but sometimes it's just so good to have fun. Like, yeah. You know, I got a piece called Bangarang that I got from, you know, watching Hook, you know, so many over the over the years, so many times, you know, the old the old movie about Peter Pan yeah. with Robin Williams. I caught that oh, reference yeah. in there. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, I mean, I just I just like to have fun, you know, um, and you talk about like rhyming, like there was a, there was a point in time like I did this. I did this poem in school and the kids like they went nuts because it was like it, it, was, it was always just that funny when you're you're doing spoken word in English classes where you're, you're already break. We want to get back to rules. Like you're breaking all the rules that the teacher has probably set in motion of like things of how to present and how to, you know, word things. And you're just like, you're throwing that out the window when you, you invite a poet in because they're just, they're, they're going to make up their own rules as they go anyway. And like in the poem, I kind of rhyme with orange and like the class went kind of nuts. It was like, what, you know, they were like, wait a minute. Did you just, did you just rhyme orange? I'm like, well, not really, but technically, like in the, because right. I was saying, like, we're out of the norm. So we fit in like words that rhyme with orange. These slurs emerge from dirt after a brainstorm. So it fits in there. And it was just like, wait, what? Did you just, what? Like, yeah. it, that intrigued them. That just caught their attention of like, wait, hold on. Say that again. Like, it was just, it was cool, you know? And when you see a kid's face light up and something in them clicks where they realize, like, Oh wait, I can do this too. Like all I need is my voice. <laughs> like yeah, that's that's insane because spoken word is such a primitive form of entertainment, and yet mm-hmm. I still feel like it's it's fairly unknown as a genre. Still, you know, and so when people light up when they see that, I mean, I've seen it from like high school kids to you know younger kids to adults. I mean, in their late fifties, you know, <laughs> early sixties, like light up like man, if I just would have known all I had to do was just use my voice, I would have done this <laughs> years ago. And it's so funny because what did they There's lack? They lacked the confidence. They lacked the confidence. And that's what yeah. it always boils down to. Man, you're saying exactly what I want to say. I just could never get in front of it. I couldn't get in front of an audience and do that. And mm-hmm. 
true. I mean, you think about glossophobia. It's, it's literally the fear of public speaking. I mean, most people would rather be in a casket than give the eulogy at a funeral. You know what I mean? Mm, like, yeah. think about that. And so if you can inspire other people to do as I, you know, encourage my audiences to do for the past 10 years is to speak up, you know, and stand out um, and and constantly just stay creative. And if you can combat that fear that just holds so many people back from just speaking up because they're afraid to look like a fool, they're afraid to, you know, trip up on their words, they're afraid to be ridiculed. It's like, man, it's just about time, like kids shouldn't fear those things this should this should be yeah. a time in a kids life where they should be able to say exactly what they want and they, you know what i mean um exactly yeah. how they feel in a sense you know what i mean um and there 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 shouldn't be really the repercussions that that follow but i don't know it's i say that but to an extent you know what i mean right but i i think giving <clears throat> giving a platform and giving a a, a, a means of expression um yeah. is is an important thing like it's almost even a discipline i mean we're we're talking about this like on how to deal with difficult feelings but like there's also a component of this that like you can't just i mean i guess you could just give drumsticks to somebody and they can bang it and get some relief but the mo the best relief they're going to get is from learning how to use those sticks well Mm. and then it opens up a whole bigger world so for me like a lot of what we're talking about it's you know some of what we're talking about is just introductory but like for this to really work and to really make a difference, this this child needs to to develop it, or this student needs to develop it, and so so you you give them tools so that they can grow, you know, you you give them tools so they can reach that next level, and it's not just I mean some of it's gonna be bad, it's gotta mm-hmm. be like yeah. you have you have to write songs bad songs to get to good songs, mm-hmm. uh, you have to write poorly written poems to get to well written poems, so it's all part of the process. Uh, but I, th- I think that, you know, the bottom line for me is like, you know, handing off tools so that they can more adequately uh, deal with these difficult things. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Hmm. Heck yeah. Well, and I mean, that was just going back to even the part of the conversation Jamie and I were having before, but it's like, um, you know, with, with my kids, I, being a parent, I always try to I strive for authenticity and being authentic, you yeah. know, because they're going to they're going to see through the BS, you know what I'm saying? And so I think like, you know, with what you're talking about, like you know, whether it's high school kids, college kids, whatever, like they see someone being authentically themselves, mm. they're going to be like, I can do that. And I mean, that's what I loved about like, that's what I love about music and stuff. It's like, I'm not trying to like be anything to anybody when it comes to like music i just want i have stuff in here and i want to get it out and i want to and there's things i want to share and it's just like i'm just trying to be me and music is where i feel like i can be me the most because i don't care if nobody listens if i'm doing it because it's what i want to do and people are like yo that sucks i don't care if it's something i want to listen to then i'll be like okay that's for me that's a litmus test if it's good because there's stuff (laughs) i've made where i'm like i wouldn't listen to this (laughs) you know what i mean I cringe when I listen to that old stuff I recorded. I'm like, ooh, yikes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel that on on a major level. I mean, um, having made made rap songs since I was 13 years old, um, <laughs> there's some really bad record. Well, and I should say having recorded rap songs since I was 13 mm-hmm. years old. So we're talking pretty, pretty bad stuff. Uh 
<laughs> Amazing. I still have like old cassette tape recordings of myself, and man, it's terrible. Like, oh, mm. it's all... <laughs> but you have to, you have to get through that. Like, yeah, man, you have to. Yeah, because I'm even going through that right now with even like um, drawing. I want to get back into drawing. Like, I, I did it as a kid. I kind of gave up, and now I'm like, man, I really. That's another area where I, I really want to, and I just know the drawings are gonna suck. I know, like mm-hmm. I got, I, I recently just got, you know, some some pencils, and I got the sketchbooks, and I'm like, all right, I'm pumped up about it, and I don't even want to touch them because I'm like, I don't want to ruin any. I know they're gonna, I know they're gonna suck, and I just have to get yeah. over that, you know. But I gotta start, you know. There's a great line from G.K. Chesterton that anything worth doing is worth doing badly. Ah, that's good. And I I definitely carry that line with me a lot because it's not that you should do it badly, right? Um, it's not like, oh, bad is fine, but it's like, well, it's at least worth doing. So yeah. so if, like if you want to learn to play tennis and you're terrible at it, well, tennis is worth doing. So mm-hmm. even if the best you can do right now is doing it badly, you're doing it. It's worth right. it, you know? So I, I think the the same really applies here. Um, I do think things get a little blurred with the fact that the internet gives everybody a platform, mm-hmm. um, you know, and not everybody uh, is unfortunate enough to, you know, go viral or whatever, but you get, you know, like that, that girl, Rebecca Black, um, you know, it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't a terrible, terrible song Friday. Like, uh, you know, if you're, if your kid sister's uh friend brought this over and said hey check out what i did for my birthday my parents bought me some studio time isn't this fun everybody would be like oh that's cool good job rebecca and you'd all go about your life but she went viral so yeah so terrible that's that's the unfortunate thing too is like uh you know everybody has access to this like we need space to to not be very good for a while yeah like we we need space in our lives to be able to like have that platform on a local level where people give a little bit of pushback so that you're better the next time you come back to the open mic. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's great. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that song by Rebecca black, I drive my kids crazy with it because during school time, <laughs> every Friday, every Friday, like if I'm off of work in the morning, it's Hey, Alexa play Friday, <laughs> Rebecca. They're like, Oh my gosh, pick them up from school. That's what we're jamming. Whether the- oh, that's amazing! I didn't realize I was, uh, you know, preaching to the choir here. You're a big fan. Well, yeah, I've, yeah, I've never heard it, so I'm gonna have to go check it out now. Are you, you serious? I'm serious. <laughs> I bet you, if I go in and ask my kids, they'll be like, "Oh yeah, of course." Here you go. Yeah, oh, I do. Always, I'm wow. so much. It's amazing. Oh my goodness. Well, but you know, I was going to say yeah, as far as doing things poorly in order to do them well, you know, as things are worth doing. Um, so in essence, basically, you have to suck to succeed. <laughs> oh, that's really good. I'm going to write. I'm writing that right now. Yeah, that's amazing. It's true. It's true, though. And that it's just going through that. Subtitle yeah. of your first book. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, side note, are you wearing a POD shirt? Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. I used to have that shirt. I yeah, play. I wife. perform with those guys. Yeah, I did a show with them here in Baton nice. Rouge a couple years ago. I, funny enough, it was like Were this you... thing where like I won like a tune speak contest to do like sound check. Nice. And they enjoyed it so much. They're like, "Hey, won't you do it for the show?" And so I was like, "What?" And so I performed Boom with them at nice. the show. And it was, 
I just own the moment, man. I just, I just had to. Like it was amazing. So, Dude, yeah, that it was like, is fun. There was one time I went to see him, and uh, it was like just me and my wife, right? And I think Bo- and Boom was coming on. I told my wife, I'm like, yo, I'm getting up there, and she's <laughs> like, I'm just gonna chill back here, right? I was like, I'm getting up front, you know. I didn't care, I was, you know. And uh, there was a point like where like Sunny like put the mic down. I was like, boom, you know. I was all excited, you know. I was like, you know, even though I was like, you know you know 37 of the time i was like still i was like that 20 Didn't year matter. old kid yeah, yeah. man. matter but man it was like 2019 they came out here and uh so i took my son i wanted to take my daughter but she had like a test the next day my wife was like i don't want her up that late yeah but uh and so they came with uh, this group islander and nonpoint which were both bands i liked they're both and, amazing uh, yeah dude and i've been waiting for 20 years for nonpoint to play with pod and it finally happened you know oh, what man. i'm saying islander but, uh, my show recently Go ahead. What'd you say? Oh, I said uh, Mikey, lead singer for Islander, was on the show recently. Oh, wow. Oh, I might have to pick that out. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, he, I, dude, he was super, super cool. Like, he like had like a little no car thing. He signed for my son. It's like, here you go, man. You want to get a picture too? But yeah. uh, I asked my son after the concert, I'm like, so what'd you think of the concert? And he's like, well, it was kind of like being like in between like a sardine can and a boxing match. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, what was that? <laughs> yeah. You got those older cats like us, man. You hear those songs, you hear the first note, and it's like, oh, that's it. All right. Yeah. So I'm yeah. going to go crazy tonight, but that's it. <laughs> I know. Look at my wife. I'm like, you're going to see another side of me tonight. <laughs> yeah. It just comes out like nothing that's really planned. But when you hear the first few, you know, chords of that song or any song, like it's just, you know, but yeah. Yeah. Gotta amazing. Super humble, by the way. Um, Amazingly, like just humble. Like, yeah. You couldn't tell these dudes sold millions of records. You just couldn't. Like they just yeah. never carried themselves. Like, like they treated me and my brother just amazing. The whole crew just treated us like, like because we just felt like we were in their way, and they just treated us so great. Just like, nah, man, this is your opportunity, man. Like they were just so down to earth, just so awesome. cool, man. And I respected that because even on a local level, we talk about being on local level. I've met so-called quote-unquote local rock stars who didn't, who acted more like. Sure. you know like they were to be respected and they were to be adored it's like dude like you're nobody like you're getting respect because we know you and like you're on a local level but like mm-hmm. you didn't really yeah. earn it you know what i mean so yeah like just shut up like you know what i yeah. mean like, so when you meet right. guys like that who are just so humble and just so mm-hmm. i guess just they enjoy what they do and they appreciate the ones who support them man like i don't know that they got all my respect man and same thing for like stillwell it's the same thing like for Q to like give me an opportunity to speak with him and just be so cool i'm like man man like even if i didn't like your music i you got nothing but my respect man you got you got all the flowers you know yeah agreed yeah years ago uh i gotta tell this real quick story um years ago there was uh that show mtv cribs right yeah Uh, did you guys ever see the one with pod yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so, you know, you got you got this show where these rock stars are showing off their houses and some of these guys are totally faking it. They're like, you know, the, I mean, they a lot of these guys do have like decked out houses, but but a lot of these yeah. dudes were were renting stuff, were were making it look more blinged out than it really was. POD, that came out of Yeah. Was that, say that, again? that came out a few years ago about like little Bow Wow, like fake, like all the cars yeah. in his park and his driveway was rented yeah all these things like that just started recently coming out about mm-hmm. oh these weren't yeah. in their houses like you know what i mean and it, and it was just over the top nuts and yeah and 
like you said, some of these guys got exposed later. Um, but no, POD, they're like, you know, there's like socks on the couch. <laughs> like they're walking yeah. around. There's like crap hanging out of the closet. They're like, yeah, this yeah. is our upstairs. Like, yeah. you know, it looked like there's the two-story house on the street, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got the cousin bringing some kind of asada. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, That's real. I don't know. That's real. Well, um, I think I think we're we're wrapping up the night here. I want to know, uh, like what's what's going on right now. Like, um, it seems like the podcast is on pause, or maybe yeah. maybe you're thinking about uh, changing some format. What's going on with the show? Um, and then and then maybe also tell us where people can find your your podcast and uh, maybe your spoken word stuff. Tell tell us a little bit about all that. Yeah, so with the Creative Coping Podcast, uh, last episode I did was uh, this past December of 2022. And, you know, even with like inviting guests on and stuff, I realized like maybe the topics that I wanted to discuss, people were a little hesitant to come on the show because they were like with Mikey from Islander, a couple of other guests that just didn't fit the Creative Coping mold, I guess. Gotcha. So I put out another show called the Johnny Anomaly Show, where I just interviewed guests that I wanted to just interview and have conversations with, where there was no, like, there was no, uh, I guess, set of, you know, OS creative coping. It's it's pretty defined. It's pretty like, yeah. hey, you're coming on this show to talk about, you know, creative coping. Whereas just naming a show after my stage name, the Johnny Anomaly Show, it just opens up the conversation to let's talk about whatever. Let's talk about you know, the music you're working on or the tour you're about to go on or just anything, the podcast you just released, whatever. So just open it, open the the door for just, you know, more, more conversation wise, rather than just staying in the very narrow lane that creative coping was. And so I don't know yet if I'm going to actually, if I'll just let it kind of not necessarily die, but just kind of like subside right now, maybe put it on the back burner. Sure. Um, I'm also I'm also thinking about I don't know why just these ideas for podcasts. Even recently, like I mean, within the past two days, I've thought about doing this. Like we talked about rules of spoken word and things, and I was thinking like just with the conversations I've had with several poets recently. Um, after hosting, I hosted some events at like Second and Charles, like bookstores, like, and so I was like, man, maybe I should do like a podcast on like a not like almost like a quote unquote masterclass of spoken word poetry on like, you know, where do these ideas come from? And maybe at the end of the show, showcase a poem, you know, that I was working on and just kind of like the starting point, like how does someone get this out? You know what I mean? Like, and so the writing process, like I have poems that are like three minutes long, just speaking, but the way the poem started was actually the last line of the poem. And so it's almost like building from the ground up, like, okay, like, how are we going to get to this end point, you know, and things like yeah. that, like those interesting topics, you know, sure. Bangarang, for, ex- for example, you know, what inspired that? Like, what, what are you talking about? And so I just wanted to kind of maybe give more of an in-depth look into it. Like I said, the idea is very, very, very new. So I was even thinking about doing something like that. But for the most part right now, it's just the, uh, the Johnny Anomaly show. I think uh, the Creative Coping Podcast, I'm going to put it on the back burner for now. Okay. Um, and, and yeah, we'll see where, to, where the rest of it goes, you know? So where can and they if, find all that? Yeah. You just search, uh, Spotify, you can search the Johnny anomaly show, the creative coping podcast, and you can find my spoken word, uh, works on a uh, band camp. Just search Johnny anomaly. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah. 
Nomadic, uh, you want to drop some socials? Uh, yeah, it's a uh, Nomadic Vagabond, Nomadic with a K at the end, all one word on Instagram. I'm on Facebook, really not that active on there. Um, I do want to give a short plug for um, I've been able to be blessed to be part of a crew called Shadow the Locust, Jeremiah Dirt. Yo, yo. Yeah. <laughs> We just yep. dropped a new, finally got the new album out called The Mighty Car- Mighty Army Cometh Volume 2. Let's go Very check nice. that out and stream it. It'll be on Bandcamp soon. Um, so just hit up locustfist.com and you can get everything you need. Shout That's, out to Dirt. <laughs> that is a banger of a series, too. There are some, some uh, dope songs on there. That's been a long time coming. Mm-hmm. So that Mighty Army has been uh, building up force for a while. So, and it's a three volume set, I think. So, yeah, yeah, uh, I think volume three people hear some familiar voices. It's possible, it's possible. No. Um, I, I can't wait to hear my verse from 1946. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I, I'm gonna be on that series too, but uh, I'm on volume three. And since all of the songs are in alphabetical order, and I think my song started with T, um, it's one of the last. <laughs> but it was probably one of the first recorded so it's gonna be like digging in the archives <laughs> it's dope though i'm i'm excited about it. i'm really looking forward to volume two i've not i've not heard volume two yet so um in in other stuff uh of course we've we've got uh bruised beards and shipwrecks is on instagram and so is royal ruckus uh royal ruckus has new music coming out this year we've already had some release check out the come on and wake up record uh, inspired by mr rogers um if you go to mr rogers of the rap game.com that'll take you to everything you need to know um but there's also some other stuff coming and uh stay tuned and you'll find out all about it now um i've got actually two questions for you one is um what is your favorite rap song of all time you know and this is directed to me right yes Mm -hmm. man (laughs) i don't know you know what i'm gonna tell you the one that has been it's 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 a little old but it's the one that like i put on on my way to work or like after work where it's just like you know after a long day or whatever it just gets me hyped and that's uh worldwide choppers by a tech nine and there's like busto on there there's like so many other rappers <laughs> like that that's awesome. like i don't know if it's my favorite but right now it, it just even the past probably two years it's been that song that's just been like yeah i just want to hear like because i i really enjoy like fast rapping i really enjoy mm-hmm. it i think in some of my spoken word you can kind of get a hint of that of just like i just i love that and so that one um yeah man uh, it's yeah probably <laughs> i don't know if it's my favorite though but lately I- it's been I think that's that's a great answer. And like, look, I mean, what what is your favorite? I mean, a favorite can be your number one above all others. It's like the gold standard, but it could also be this is the one I go to every day. Mm -hmm. And those might not be the same answer, but whichever one it makes sense to you makes sense to me. Yeah, that's that's the one that uh, gets me hype. I don't know. That's (laughs) so pretty dope. I mean, Boston Tech Nine on the track. Oh yeah, Busta's verse, dude. It's if if you've never heard it, you should really listen to it. It's it's amazing. Um, Busta, <laughs> his verse is just ridiculous. Okay, like he he purposefully stutters on a track, and it's just it's just amazing. Like the first time I heard it, I was just 
I just my mind. I just had to laugh so freaking hard and then <laughs> play it again. Like, hold on, let's let's go back to that. If you're willing, I'd love to close out with one of your pieces. How about, okay, how about I just do like a short one or something? That's fine. All right. Do I just start it? Uh, Give us the title and uh, jump in. So, yeah, this piece is uh, actually the first um, track on my album, Whispers and Screams. And it's the title is Intro Vertigo. And it's just because it's the intro. I had vertigo, which was really dizzy when I kind of had the idea for it. Okay. And so, yeah, it, it meshed. I don't know why. It just came out that way. Intro Vertigo is the name of it. And, uh, yeah, I'll just give you a little something. So it was always my intention to be transparent through my art, but I never thought I'd be doing it this long because this, well, this was only a means to find healing in the after loss after all. You see these rhymes, they were assembled and created as ventilation with subtle connotations of frustration that reverberated dramatically because of a catastrophe. So in trying to find someone who somehow has it all together, please don't look at me. Now, like salt to an open wound, some of these words may sting when applied to the myriad of sores exposed on your manifold. Communication seeps and through pores it's absorbed because as long as I'm speaking, you see this message will become harder to ignore. Now, there are conspicuous flaws on every single one of our hearts, but I choose to display mine on this canvas as if it were a tainted piece of art. And I really hope you've enjoyed. I love it. I love it. Oh, man. Thank you for being on. Thank you for sharing your art with us and uh, and a little bit of your story and a lot of respect to you, dude. Thank you so much, man. This is uh, this has been great. Thank you all for the opportunity to even be here. Um, this has been this has been really great. Thank you so much, guys. Yeah, it's been dope. Been a blessing, man, for real. Yeah, boy. Yeah, I love what you guys are doing on this show, man. Love it. I'm honored to even just be a part of it. Yeah, we're, That's why we're, I didn't want to blow it. I didn't want to blow the opportunity. I'm like, no, I gotta get, I gotta get this. <laughs> well, that now you you've got an extended intro uh, where we're talking about hip hop. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's no, actually, hype, man. <laughs> actually, you know, we we were actually probably mostly talking about parenting, uh, which yeah, was yeah. was was kind of fun too. So I don't. We'll we'll figure out what to do with that that opener stuff. Um, but we're just hip hop dads, man. <laughs> hip hop dads. Yeah, yeah, and I got three, so that's why I'm hiding in a closet. <laughs> Yeah, man. Get that peace and quiet when you can. (laughs) Yeah, maybe if any of that ties in, maybe it will make sense to just leave it all at the beginning. So, 